Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 11 in a passage here, and it says this, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. We're coming into the uh, historical point here we're looking at. It's been roughly 400 years, or a little over 400 years, and John the Baptist and Jesus had both been born, and both were living in relative obscurity. Uh, there's not been a prophet who has come forth in over 400 years, as I just stated, and it wouldn't be long until both John the Baptist and Jesus themselves would be facing uh, life differently than they had ever faced before. John was just a simple guy, but yet Jesus in Matthew says that, that he was the greatest among women that had ever been born. So what was it that made John the Baptist great? What was it about this simple guy who came from a simple family who did not have much, but yet God said, Jesus said, this is the greatest that was born of women. And this morning we're going to look at several different thoughts here as we look at and as we continue in on our series uh, of the proclaimed Messiah. And we're going to look at uh, several different things as to why was John the Baptist considered the greatest, but we're going to look at what he did, which really ultimately elevated him. It's in Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bible, we'll be jumping throughout Luke chapter 1 here in the next several moments. But starting in verse number 7, it said, And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. So we see in Luke chapter 1 and verse 7, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, was barren. We see that Zacharias, who was to be his father, both, well, she was barren and both of them at this point were old. They had come, they had beyond the past where, where there was going to, they weren't, no, they were no longer going to have children. But as we continue, in verse number 12, we're coming in where Zechariah had just seen the angel. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And just listen to these, last, these, these words as we continue. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and, to the, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John had come and John was placed into the womb of Elizabeth to be a herald, to be a preacher, to be somebody that was going to go before and to proclaim that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was coming. As we continue in verse number 76 of Luke chapter 1, we see, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, 
whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. What a job that was placed before John the Baptist. What an incredible task that was given to this man to be the the one who was going to come after 400 years of silence amongst the children of Israel. There had not been a prophet and, uh, since Malachi of the Old Testament. There had not been a prophet. And, and, and to think that over those times, the things that the children of Israel really had to cling on was kind of going back. The prophets said this, and the prophets had said this, and they had taught us these things. But where is this, and what's going on? 400 years of silence, and John the Baptist was then challenged or tasked with the job of going before Christ to say the Messiah was coming. What an incredible, incredible job that was given to him. He would go before the Lord. He would go forth as the herald. He would go forth and preach He would prepare the way for Christ. In Matthew chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We look at this, and and so we kind of come full circle. John had, had been in the wilderness for all of those years. And now all of a sudden he's come, it says in verse number uh, 1, in those days came John the Baptist, and that word came is literally an official word for, for somebody having arrived. And so here's kind of one of the ways that I kind of thought of this as I was reading, as I was studying, and if John came and it was an official thing, John was kind of, obviously we can't compare the two, but If the President of the United States is to travel anywhere, there is a team of people that go before him. And that team of people is going to go and they're going to prepare everywhere that he is going to travel. They're going to shut down the roads. They're going to prepare the hotel that he's going to stay in so that no one's in a certain section. And they're going to do all of these different things, preparing the way for the President to come right behind him. So that there is a security and there's all of those things. John the Baptist went forth to prepare the way of the one, the Messiah, the King of Kings that was going to come just shortly behind him. And John the Baptist went and he began to preach. John came. John was there to bear witness of the light for the word had become flesh. If you would go with me, I know we've read several passages there in, in Luke chapter 1, but if you would flip over to the book of John in chapter number 1, we're going to start in verse number 6, and we will read several passages or several verses down to verse number 18 this morning, and I'm going to get into the points this morning. John chapter 1, starting in verse number 6. It says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh unto the world. 
He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Father God, we ask you this morning that you would take your word and use it to speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, there's so many things, there's so much in this passage of scripture. Really, it's something that should be over several weeks. But Lord, I pray that this morning, as we look at your word, that you would uh, use it to, to touch our hearts, to change our hearts. God, if there is one that come, that's here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, as we look at Uh, The Word becoming flesh. God, maybe there's something this morning that you would tug upon their hearts to show them the need of a Savior today. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thought this morning is to bear witness. John came to bear witness of the Messiah that was to come. The Messiah that was already there. And based on time, again, we're not going to, I'm not going to go verse by verse through this. Really, this is, a, this is a passage that we could be in for several weeks. But we're looking at several different things. If we go back to the very beginning of this passage of Scripture in John chapter number 1 and verse number 1, we would see that, that it's there that the, the Word was, uh, the Word that was in the beginning, the Word that was with God, that is, Jesus was it says, was face to face with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That is, they were facing each other. They were together. They were all of those things, and the Word was God. That is for eternity. He was in Him and left that to come as the babe born in the stable. The Word that was God, that always was, the preexistent Word, was God Almighty. If we were to continue to go, and we continue to go through 3 and 4 and 5, we see that God was the creator, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came to be that has come to be. It is in His creative Word that things came to be. We see that He is the Word. He is life and the light of men. The light that shines in darkness, though the darkness did not comprehend it. John was coming to bear witness and to bear light of this, that the the Word of God was coming to be flesh. 
God was, was coming, or John was coming to bear witness that the eternal, of the eternal God, the same God that would be loved by some and hated by others, the same God who many would shout Hosanna to the son of David, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord that would quickly turn around and cry, crucify him, crucify him. The same Jesus that would, many would believe, but they would fear so they never truly followed. The same Jesus who the Pharisees would, could not deny the power of who he was. They could not deny that the things that he did was something miraculous and something powerful and something mighty. But yet, instead of believing on him, they said, this must be a devil. He is of the devil. What we see throughout all of this is one common link. And we'll look about that this morning. And that common link is this. There was an unbelief. There is an unbelief. It is this one thing that condemns all that reject Jesus Christ. John comes and is sharing a hope. He is sharing that there is one coming whom it says he isn't even worthy to unlatch the shoes upon his feet. John is coming to to bear witness of this light. He is coming to share. He's coming to, to, to bear witness of the light and that the word had become flesh. Verses 7, 8, and 15 all say that same phrase, to bear witness in 7, uh, to bear witness in 8. And then in 15 it says that he, um, and John, bear witness. Uh, and, and again, it says all of those things that he was coming to bear witness. And John humbly came before him. If you have been with us over the last couple weeks, last week we looked at Micah, the week before we looked at Isaiah, and of all of those things, each one of those men had to come before a gathering of people and come before people, and they had an incredibly difficult task to do. Because each one of those were about to go before a group of people and basically say, there's a lot of wickedness, there's a lot of sin, there's a lot of things that you think you're doing right, but you're doing wrong. There's a lot of things that are just sinful. But yet they had to come in humility, because if you recall, in each one of those, the same as John the Baptist, there was a moment, there was a humility about them that would bring them to their knees and would say, God Almighty, there's something, God, I'm bowing down before you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. God, I am only coming to represent you, to proclaim who you are. And in each one of those guys, they come, or they came, and they did so humbly, but yet at the same time, they did so extremely Boldly. Every one of them did so extremely with extreme boldness. For they all stood before a gathering of people. And so John the Baptist was was extremely humble just like the rest of them. If we were to continue to read and go on through in the latter verses there in verses 19 and following, you would see that they are saying, hey, are you this son? Are you this, this Messiah? Are you the king that's coming? Are you this Jesus? Are you Elijah, is what they asked. They started asking him these questions. How easily would it have been for John to be like, you know what? Look at all of these people that are now following me. Look at all of these people, because it says, and we'll read it later, that all of Judea and Jerusalem had come to hear what John was saying. They had come from all over, and how easily it would have been for him to just stand and go, you know what? I am. But no, he doesn't. In the midst of all of those asking those questions, he humbly says, no, that's not me. 
It is not me. But he goes on and he says the same thing that was quoted in Isaiah. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. John humbled himself and stood before them, but yet stood boldly before them. John was a man that was sent from God as a herald, a man who was to prepare the way, a man who was to preach repentance of sin, a man that was preaching the remission of sin, was was standing before them. And he says this in Matthew chapter 3, Then said he to the multitude that had come to be baptized unto him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. If we were to look at Mark chapter 1, in Mark chapter 1 it says, There went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem were, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. He preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I. Wait a second. He's got this throng of people. There's just a gathering of people, as it just said, from all of Judea and Jerusalem. And they were all coming, and so many were coming. And it says they were getting baptized, and they were uh, confessing their sins. So they were coming, seeking this Jesus. I'm waiting. They were believing in this. And then there's a gathering of people that says, hey, we come and we want to be baptized. These Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he says this to them. Oh, generation of vipers, tell me this. He says this, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. You've been teaching a lot of the law. You've been doing these things. Why don't you do me this favor? Show me the fruit that you believe in this God. Show me the fruit of your life. Why don't you bring that forward and repent of your sin? Because here's the reality. John was being extremely bold before a gathering of people where he did not have to be extremely bold. Easily he could have said, man, they love me. They think I am this Jesus. They think I am this Elijah. But he stands in front of them and he says, no, I'm not. But he takes it one step further and he begins to call them out. As they one by one, many of them would confess their sins and be baptized. John was to bear witness of the one who was coming behind him. And he did so boldly. He was preaching repentance that men would turn from themselves to the Savior. And John, as each prophet before him, had an incredibly tough task. One that took humility, grace, and the power of God. It was this task of preparing the hearts of the coming Messiah that made him one of, or what Jesus said, the greatest to be born of women at this time. He was the greatest man because, of, because God himself chose him to perform the most important task up to that point in history. Being the forerunner of the Messiah. He was the first to announce publicly that Jesus was the Savior. John the Baptist never came to exalt himself, but to be a witness of the Messiah. He came to bear witness that all might believe in the true light That he was presenting to them. This morning as we look at this first thought. It's that it's simple. Why would we think of Jesus or John the Baptist. Who is this special guy. It's no different than you or I. None of us are special in and of our own rights. But as we allow God to fill us with the Holy Spirit to be used. We are called to bear witness of the light. That Jesus Christ is who he says that he is. 
That's all of us, not just a John the Baptist thing. John the Baptist was used in a special way as he was the forerunner of that. But we are being used today as the light because, listen, we are in some ways, we are forerunning that the Messiah is coming back. Jesus is coming back. There is a return. There is an end of what we know on earth today. And you and I are part of that process of preparing the way for those to know the Savior because He is going to return. We are to bear witness of the second point, the true light. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4 says this, "...in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them." John was bearing witness of the true light that was to come. John says that he was in the world, and it was made by him, and the world knew him not." He came unto his own, and his own received him not. The true light, this real and genuine light, just, if we were to go back, if we were to go back to the Old Testament, the, the Jewish culture, the children of Israel had, had seen glimpses of the, the glory of God, right? We know this. Think about several things. Moses looked over, and there was a burning bush. We would think of the children of Israel. There was a time, what did they do? They faced, they faced a body of water in front of them and they faced a body of people behind them that were trying to kill them. And Moses takes the staff and he hits the water. The walls part and they walk through as everybody behind them dies. They allowed, or God allowed them to get a glimpse of the power of God, the, the glory of God, the, the mighty, just the amazing glory of who God is. Several different times throughout that. But here stands before them, John is telling them, listen, the Messiah is coming. He is coming in flesh. He is, he is coming. We're going to be able to see this. But yet, it's not what they were looking for. They weren't looking for all of that. Hebrews 1 and 3 says, who being the brightness of his glory or the complete radiance of his glory. John came to share the true glory, the true radiance of this perfect son of God and his perfect glory. Though the world is blinded by the God of this world, John says the light would be the light. It says this, for every man, I've used this passage before, but in Romans chapter number 2, I don't know if both of these, 14 and 15, are on the screen or if it's just the one of them. But in verse 14, it says this, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves. And it says this, Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. I love when we look at this passage of Scripture in, 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 in John and it says that the, the true light, that it would be the light for every man. Because I, I, as I've studied Scripture and as I've been doing my part to do my, the best that I can to continue to grow in Christ and, and as I've read Scripture from the old to the new and I read these different thoughts and I, I think of where our world is and I've seen different religions around the world and I've, I've been in places, I've seen things, I, I always come back to the one thought. Regardless of where you go, everybody has inside of them a desire to worship God. 
Everywhere I've ever been, I've seen people worship something. Whether it's here in the States, for the most part we have some main, mainstream religions, a true biblical Christianity, you have Catholicism, and you have other things that are offshoots of both of those. You have some things that are completely weird and whacked out. We have all kinds of different things, but here's why I say this. Everybody has a desire to worship because it is ingrained in us. The same as every person has a conscience. I do not have to teach my children to do right or to do wrong. They do it on their own. When my kids did wrong as children, I never taught them how to do it, nor did I teach them to have a guilty conscience because they knew they had done something wrong. Why? Because God had seared that into our hearts. It's in and ingrained as a part of who we are from the beginning. And so when it comes to this, the true light of God, what is it then? What is it then that would cause me to have unbelief? John 3 says it this way in verses 19 and 20, and this is the condemnation, that the light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved listen i don't know how many people that i've talked to and i I, i've used these silly illustrations before but i've gone and gotten my hair cut Or I've gone and I've had a conversation with somebody and I've shaken a hand and in throughout the whole conversation there was whatever was taking place and all of a sudden the question is asked, so what do you do? I'm a pastor. I would say probably nine out of ten times the entire mode and the entire mood of that whole conversation completely changes. Many times it is this. Oh, pastor, I am so sorry for how I just spoke. Well, you don't have to be sorry for me. Do you know why that is? And it's not because I am God, but the light had shone upon them, and they said, oh. Someone, that's a man of a cloth, whatever they would call it. It's their conscience. Because they saw somebody that was religious, And to them, they thought, oh, I need to apologize for all of these things. No, why? We do not like to be exposed. Listen, when I look in the mirror this morning, I don't like to be exposed as to what is facing me. That's not because I'm the ugliest guy in the room. No, I don't like to look in the mirror and say, wow, Aaron, I, I don't like that about you. You know, the hardest thing to do is to really sit down, to read Scripture, and say, God, I need you to begin to open up my eyes to see where I need to be better. You want to have a problem? Start asking God to reveal your sin. It's hard. 
Because I do not like to be exposed. And the light of God exposes man's sin. And that's what John the Baptist was doing. He was going forward and he was presenting the Messiah that was coming. And people don't like it because it exposes who we are. I'll be real honest, over the last several months of my life, I have really, really tried to do some of these things. There's things in my life that I do not like. And I'll be honest, it's extremely difficult to say, self, I don't like that and we're going to work on it. I'm one of the biggest smart alecks in this room. Not as big as Zach in the corner. Or his wife, I guess. I love to goof and I love to be a smart aleck and I love to have a lot of fun. But you know what I've really come to... It's, it's eaten me alive in different parts in the last several months of my life. Because sometimes that's just a mask and I just don't want to deal with certain things. Maybe you say, well, that's pretty vulnerable of you and I apologize if I'm getting too real. But I'm just being honest this morning. There's certain things in my life. You can ask Dan in the office and Norma in the office and my wife. I have said this how many times over the last several weeks and several months. I'm working on these things because I don't want to be that because I know how it can come across to people. And it's not enough for me to say it's just who I am. But you know what's hard? Is when God exposes that to you, it stinks. It stinks. Why? Because that means you have to begin to whittle things away. Because I want to be more like him. I don't want to just be, well, that's just who I am. No, I want to be like him. And John was coming to bear witness of the true light of God But people in their unbelief do not want to be exposed because if we're just real, real honest, we all love a little bit of ourselves. A lot too much. Maybe I love a little bit of myself a lot too much. And I don't like to to be smacked in the face with what I'm doing that I need to correct. And so when we go out to that world out there, And when John was going to the world in front of him and saying, hey, oh, generation of vipers, let me tell you about Jesus. (laughs) Go do that. Go to lunch this afternoon. Look at the waiter or waitress and say, oh, you viper. Let me tell you about Jesus. They're going to say, what? They just call me a snake. I don't know. But we we don't like that. But that's what John was called to do. Reality, that's what we're all called to do. But what is this light? What is this true light? In 1 John 1.15, I'm just going to fly through several things here in the next several moments. But John, uh, 1 John 1.15 says, God is light and in him is no darkness. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. John 8 and verse 12, Jesus said, he is the light of the world. John 12 and 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Revelation 21 says, there is no need of the 
Son in heaven, for the glory of God illuminated it. The true light is the Messiah that came as the anointed Son of God that was and is worthy of all of our praise and all of our honor. This true light is the Redeemer that sets us free from the chains and slavery of sin and into eternal separation. Or and from eternal separation, sorry. The true light gives us forgiveness of sin. In this true light... Our eyes are open to the sin of the world as we looked at with Isaiah. If you were to go back with me, I guess about three weeks ago, what did Isaiah see? When God exposed him to all of the things of God's glory, what did he say? I am a man of unclean lips, unworthy. I am unworthy. I am undone. And it showed that they took the tongue of that coal and they placed it on his tongue. But what was it? He was completely unworthy. And as he saw the glory of God, and as we, the light is revealed to us, and we allow the redemption to come into us, our eyes are opened, and we now look out through a lens that is different what we ever looked at before, and we begin to see pain, we begin to see hurt, we begin to see heartache, and we begin or should be broken, not just of our sins, but the sins of the people that are around us. Because it should hurt us. We should hate sin. We should hate it. Not accept some of it because the culture says it's okay. We should hate it. We should hate it. That is the true light. John the Baptist was bearing witness of this through repentance and remission of sin and letting them know he is coming. He is coming. And I love that he says that he is coming, but that he's always been. He is eternal. But yet he was there. Brings us to the last point that the word became flesh. The infinite became finite. Eternity entered time. The invisible became visible. The creator entered his creation. The word was powerful in that day. If you were to speak of that specific word, the word, they all knew what that was. For you and I, in our day and age in which we live, there's a lot of things that just aren't biblically, we don't live in a biblically literate society, if you will. These guys understood. The Jewish culture understood. The Jewish culture today understand what Scripture was. They're very well versed, probably more so than most of us that sit in this room. They are very well versed in the Old Testament, in the law, in all of those things. And so when we speak of the Word, they knew what the Word was. And John specifically writes and uses language that was appealing and would pull people because he knew who he was writing to. And when he says that the Word became flesh, it was very well understood to the Jews and to the Gentiles what that meant. God spoke in the past through the prophets in the last days by His Son. He became flesh, but He dwelt among men. Think about that for a moment. How many kings in in the day and age in which we live, in the days for all times, how many presidents 
we can use it in our language, how many of them dwell among the men? None. See, for if you go to the presence, to the White House today, knock on the door and, hey, my name's Aaron Flanagan. I'm the citizen of the United States. I live in Nevada. I'd like to speak to my president. <laughs> Good luck. Go to England and go try to knock on the door and go into the castle, go into whatever they have over there. Go try to do those things. The kings and the kingdom, the the kings and the presidents and the rulers of our day and the rulers of all time do not dwell among the men. But yet the king of kings and the lord of lords came in human flesh, born in a stable and dwelt among men. He did not even have a place to lay his head is what it says in scripture. He did not have a home to lay his head. But yet he... The word became flesh and he dwelt among the men. He could have chose any place that he wanted. He could have been remote. It could have been a lot of things, but yet he chose to walk and to talk. He chose to have no place for his head. He chose to take and disciple men. He chose to to teach. He chose to be a part of the culture. He chose to be abused. He chose to be sought after physically for his life, which would ultimately he was doing to lay down for those that were trying to kill him and were seeking after his life. He chose every aspect of this. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. I love the one portion of that that I just kind of rattle off. That the word became flesh and dwelt among men. See, It's been heavy on my heart with discipleship of late as I've been reading and doing different things. But to think that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, came not only just to be born in a a manger. But he reached out and he said, hey, would you come with me? And would you come with me? And would you come with me? And he grabbed 12 guys. And they weren't the 12 cool guys. Because if it were me... And I was a whatever, I don't know. I would be like, okay, let's see. That guy's pretty cool, and he can really help me with this. And that guy over there is really cool. And that guy, we get along really well. No, he didn't. He said, I need you. And I need you. And I need you. And for a year and a half... Every day, day in and day out, he stood with those men. He sat with those men. He he taught them. He said, hey, would you watch me pray? He said, hey, I want to show you this. I want to show you that. And they would ask him questions. And there's not a lot of questions in Scripture, but there's one that says what? Hey, Jesus, would you teach me to what? Pray. He wasn't like, are you kidding me? Really? You bunch of clowns. And we sat down with him and he said, you ought to pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No, he he taught them. So not only did he dwell among them, but he got into the the midst of it and he lived with them and he traveled with them and, and he did all of these things right in And amongst them, the word became flesh. What if we stop as we come to a conclusion this morning here? Stop for a moment with me. I just thought this was really neat as I was studying. 
to think of this. We just read in Revelation chapter 21 and 23 where, where we read and we see that, that God will be the light. There will be no need of the sun. There will be no need of that for His radiance. His glory will be the light to shine. We, will know, we, we no longer need any of that. We don't need lights. We don't need electricity. We have Jesus. But yet Jesus came in the flesh. And to think about this, and I don't know how this all comes about. But he walked and he talked. People knew that he was different. They were experiencing the miracles. They were watching it. They were seeing his teaching. They even said, there's something different about this guy is different. But some of the glory of God was veiled by the flesh because he was 100% God, 100% man. He didn't walk around and everybody was like, oh, man. He wasn't blind. People weren't being blinded by him. And to think that all of those people that walked and talked with him, they saw the fullness of God and that he was deity. He was God. When he was upon the cross and he said it was finished, we saw the, the, those behind him and those around him said, uh, this truly was the Son of God. Uh, we just messed up. People all around him, when he would do certain things, would say, that guy, oh, that's a, that's a real dude. He is for real. But yet in all of that, they saw the amazing miracles. They saw all of those things. But it was still veiled in some way. I guess maybe you would say it was just a preview of what's to come. The perfection, because he was perfect in an imperfect world. And one day he'll be perfection in the perfection for all of eternity as we'll all be together in glory for those that know him and and will see the fullness of who he was. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Salvation is tied to those words, grace and truth. It is believing God's truth in the gospel by which one receives his saving grace. There is no salvation except one believing the truth of the gospel. Ephesians 1, it says, Him you trusted, in Him you trusted after you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, which would be sealed with the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1 says something similar, the word of the truth of the gospel. Again, there is no salvation, grace, except one believes the truth of the gospel. This is the gospel, the light. This is that which was witnessed of. John was bearing witness of him and cried out. He explained, I I would imagine John did everything that he could to share. It got him to the place of him being beheaded because he made somebody mad. Yet he bare witness. He was speaking that Jesus in his deity was coming. And he was bringing full, the fullness of grace and truth. To all of them. Colossians 1 says. It is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. 
Jesus came as the ultimate. Think about this. Jesus came as the ultimate explanation of God. He answered the question of what is God like? John 14 says, he who has seen me hath seen the Father. This morning, I've said the one phrase multiple times here throughout the message. It is that he was to bear witness of the light, for the word had become flesh. This morning as we come and we wrap up and we go into a time of invitation, I can't help but stop and think, That, that God Almighty came and that the Word literally became flesh. It's one of those things to me that just kind of boggles my mind because I can't wrap myself to think about I, I can't f- comprehend that. I can't comprehend that the King of Kings, that God Almighty left all of that to come, that the Word would become literal flesh and blood. That he would show people after he resurrection, he would after the resurrection, he would show them, hey, yeah, these are the hands. There's the there's the the hole. And that he would come in that you and I could have salvation. That you and I would have a perfect relationship with him. That you and I could Be like him. This morning, I don't know where you sit. I don't know if you have come to a place where you have accepted the fact that the word became flesh. And that he did so for your salvation. For you to have intimacy with him in a relationship. I don't know if you know that this morning. If you've come to that place. At the same time, I don't know for some of you that are believers, I don't know if you've come to a place where you truly and fully understood or you've truly and fully engulfed and embraced the reality that you and I are come. We are to be a witness for Him. And just as John would go before and say that the Messiah was coming, we are to go before and say that the King is coming back. And I'm supposed to do this. And not only that, it should be my desire. I want to tell people about my best friend. I want to tell people about the the one that died to save my soul. I want to tell people about all of those things. That's not what I am supposed to do. That's what I want to do. There's a difference. There's a difference. So this morning, I'll ask you those two questions. Do you know God as your Lord and Savior this morning? Have you came to a place where you've said, God, I recognize your desire is that I would have a relationship with you. But where I sit, there is a gap, there is a void And I cannot have and I do not have a a pure relationship because I've never came to the place where I've said, yes, God, I recognize my sinfulness. I recognize my need of a Savior. And thank you for dying upon a cross that I might have that relationship.
Maybe you would say, Pastor, I get that I've been told all my life, as long as I've been in church for the last year, for the last 20, whatever it is, that I'm supposed to go and I'm supposed to tell everybody about Jesus. But I really don't have a desire to do so. And I am to bear witness of the Messiah that is to come back. I just don't do a good job of it. Maybe that would be you this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.